0: Welcome to the Fourth Dimension with Toby C. Where participants dare to disclose bizarre experiences that occur in early recovery. The battle between good and evil, of God and of the occult. The psychic challenges we all encounter when trying to do the right thing. Now, here's Toby.
1: Hey there, it's me again. Welcome to Hour 2 of The Fourth Dimension with Toby C. And boy, I really enjoyed our friend um, Bruce T. stopping by the studio and giving us some real good testimony. And lo and behold, who shows up for Hour 2 but my good friend Channing B. Welcome back, Channing.
2: Hey, it's good to be back with you, Toby.
1: Yep, yep. And... Um, If this is your first time tuning into our show, The Fourth Dimension with Toby C., I'll just tell you that the show's theme is evil resistance to early attempts at recovery. So we want to be clear about that. This is a show about recovery. This show appeals to anybody who might be suffering from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body, recovering from anything um, that somehow makes one's life unmanageable. That can be drugs, alcohol, compulsive shopping, deviant sex, um codependency, you name it, but um as soon as we attempt to move out of that that rut of um, of senseless hopelessness um, and try to move towards something good, there is something awaiting us. there is the the resistance to good, correct?
2: Certainly, and I think it uh, as long as we remain open-minded and try and uh, let hope and love get the last word and you know, it, it's important that we create as many uh, new questions as we uh, try to answer old ones.
1: You better believe it. I read a saying, we are justified by faith alone. Whatever justified means, it means we are saved or whatever. We are recognized by some some power greater than ourselves. We are justified by faith alone, but not by a faith that is alone. And by the way, our show, the Fourth Dimension, um, Channing and I are both members of a, of a twelve step fellowship, and uh, found a lot of relief there. But of course, you know, the twelve step program does not have a monopoly on on recovery and and people being able to find power greater than themselves and find some relief. But that's the deal. Um, one of the the sayings in the in the twelve step program. I'm going to turn it over to you because I think you wanted to share something profound about our our movement. But before doing so, I just wanted to say that. Uh, that the 12-step program, the 12 steps are a group of principles, spiritual in their nature, which if practiced as a way of life, can expel an obsession, some kind of an evil obsession, and enable the sufferer to become happily and usefully whole. Those are the, the 12 steps. That's a quote out of a publication called The 12 Steps and 12 Traditions, which is a, a sister publication <clears throat> of a book called Alcoholics Anonymous. And um, Alcoholics Anonymous, the book, was declared to be the eighth most influential piece of literature uh, by the United States uh, Library of Congress. How about that for an achievement? Anyway, so what do you, what do you got to say about your experience um, uh, in the fourth dimension, glimpses at the fourth dimension chanting or or any kind of evil resistance to early attempts at recovery? And and I know that you love the history of our movement. Um share about that would you
2: well i i think there's just some fascinating overlapping ideas i know in my own personal experience I get, and you and i have had these conversations told that you know the the i call them the wtf moments those things i just couldn't explain the force that was trying to stop me from uh, uh, accepting uh, something other than a, a living hell and it was, you know, to, to, to live an alcoholic life is to, uh, you know, die a thousand times over. And that devil has long been characterized by the drunkard, the alcoholic. I'm talking pre, pre-disease concept, pre-big book, pre-everything, going way back to whether it's Dickens, the drunkard's death, or whether we yeah. got Jekyll and Hyde.
1: You don't have to die in order to go to hell.
2: Oh no! You no, can go no. to hell
1: right here on Earth. You can live a living what?
2: Oh, a living hell! And haven't you and I been in enough meetings to to where we know that that, that those old cliches uh, that uh, religion is for people that are afraid of going to hell and uh, this room right here, son, is the uh, for people who've been there. And I'm talking about guys that have been there and these these stories that you and I have shared from these the real alcoholics. Okay,
1: now whatever our hell may be. Channing's and my hell happen to include alcohol abuse but hell a personal hell can take many many forms it can be it can be just this sense of of isolation and loneliness and terminal uniqueness and hopelessness and that's kind of where so many people go their own personal hell
2: oh and it can be at the bottom the middle or at the loneliness at the very top of success and we've and seen so, it
1: and so what's what's one of the Best ways that we've discovered how to crawl out of this personal hell. What's one of the first things that we can do to crawl out of this personal hell?
2: Well, I think you know, the very first thing goes on is, I can't do this alone. I cannot do it.
1: Yeah, yeah. Unity. Unity is the antithesis of, of isolation and, and loneliness. And by the way, there's something that wants to keep us lonely and isolated. And there it is. And the moment we try to move away from this terminal uniqueness, this this battle cry of, 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 you don't understand me, there's some evil resistance. Call it, you know, I I call them demons. I've seen them in a meeting, a room full of, I call it a kinship of common suffering. It's that you get a group of people, and by the way, you can find these people anywhere, this kinship of common suffering, all you got to do is get on the internet and just put in whatever... You know, bug you're you're your suffering from. But hey, listen, back to back to our our history of of Alcoholics Anonymous. One suffering soul paying attention to another suffering soul, and and experiencing a psychic change, because hey, you know what? You may be suffering from a condition which only a spiritual experience will conquer.
2: And only a spiritual uh, experience will continue to conquer on on a daily basis because we go from those, like I said, in my own personal experience, those early days of mistaking reality from the withdrawal symptoms. And I'm talking, of course, about my own case, the real alcoholic, the Jekyll and Hyde the guy that you just can't explain and his actions and you know nobody would choose this we've you know the, going way back to pre disease concept I like to say they tried to shackle alcoholism or the drunkard and the lack of will with the devil they've been shackled all the way back whether it is Jacqueline Hyde whether it's uh, everybody seemed to associate the drunkards behavior with the devil and, you know, the behavior, if, if we're going to evict the devil from our lives and we've woken up and we're going to, we've decided we're waving this red flag and we don't even know, I mean, a white flag, and we don't even know who we're waving it at.
1: You know, I read in one of those two books that, that uh, we use in the 12-step program that, that we only thought that we had cleaned house. We only thought that we had really, really opened ourselves up our minds and our hearts to the a God of our understanding so that God could enter us and expel the obsession, see? And that's the purpose of cleaning house, is, is, is to, in order to evict this demon, this hopelessness, this evil.
2: It, it, well, and you talk about, you know, evicting, evicting, getting rid of uh, this bad tenant. Well, they're not gonna go happily, and that's no. the stuff you and I talk about. If if you're if you're sending someone out into and and kicking them out to make room for something else, they are especially what I've been dealing with or you've been dealing with. This is not going to go easily,
1: and it's biblical. I'm not I'm not a big Bible thumper, but I, I remember little pieces of the Bible, and there's this there's this book called Luke, and there's this story, and and it talks about evicting the demon, and 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 that's kind of what the house cleaning is. When we clean house in the twelve step method of recovering, the four step, we're basically uh, telling him to pack his bags, and and if we're and and there's a brief moment when we empty our vessel, and um and and before we fill it with good things, a good routine, a good obedient disciplined life that pays attention and has god consciousness before we enter that realm there's a period of vulnerability
2: and, and and you have to remember that we're talking about many people that have spent a lifetime in church and the, the 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 bottle in one hand and the bible in the other it creates some real misery
1: i've heard it referred to as no man's land
2: certainly it's a spiritual purgatory and that's that tug of war and i think that it when i begin to look at the uh, well Any any book, especially the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, they start by describing, almost everything starts describing that spiritual tug-of-war.
1: Perfect. The spiritual tug-of-war. The moment we decide, that I decide, that most people decide, the moment we make that decision, for many of us, there is an evil resistance that says, I'm going to go ahead and match you. Okay, and I'm going to I'm going to throw every obstacle and block in there, and therein lies the spiritual tug of war. And I think we talked about this one other time. One of the biggest um, spiritual tug of wars is denial.
2: Certainly, and it's put it's put there for a reason.
1: Yeah, yeah, you know, denial is it's the think, only
2: we're talking about the only disease in the world that tells you you don't have it.
1: I love it. Let me tell you about denial. Let me tell you how powerful denial is. How about this? I want you to use your imagination that that you're a wildebeest and you're crossing the river in uh in a big river in, in uh, Africa in Kenya the alligators the crocodiles are there and all of a sudden this crocodile gets a hold of you and and and, and just grabs a hold of your your life and as he's squeezing the life out of you you go into a state of shock a state of numbness where you feel no pain and it's called denial. You're, this 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 state of consciousness that we're that we're changing into. Denial is so powerful that it won't allow the the wildebeest who's being eaten alive to acknowledge that 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 it's over. They reach this this numb state. It's a state of shock. It's called shock, and in shock, there's denial. Right? How about that for a metaphor? How about that for a a, a vision for you, you a beast.
2: And you, you, you mentioned uh, we decided that we're going to do something about this. And, uh, you know, all the while that spirit is going, I'm so proud of you. Ha, 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 you've made a decision. Well, little do you know, you dumb you-know-what, you, your decisions, you know, if you could have quit drinking or doing whatever, you would have stopped doing it a long time
1: ago. That's right, but you're powerless and and you're possessed. There it is. And, you're, and, to, and to finally acknowledge that we're powerless over this you know oh you know there is one who has all power that one is God may you find him now but I got to tell you there's something very powerful too that's quite often cunning baffling and powerful it's the subtle foe it's the ambush predator it awaits all of us doesn't it
2: oh well, it, it it does and it, it continues to it continues mm-hmm. to uh the only thing that I would say in in the defense of uh of The defense of it is, the more you know, it's going to con you into believing you know enough.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. There it is. Don't be discouraged, though. When we come back with Channing B, um, there is hope. There is hope. And, and, And it really starts with early recovery and figuring out what's going on. So we're going to continue with our guest, Channing B, only here on The Fourth Dimension. I'm your host, Toby C. We'll be right back.
0: If you enjoy our message, then please visit us at itmtoby.com. the imagination to take us places we might be afraid to go you are entering the fourth dimension with toby c there is no such thing
1: as channing i just can't get enough of this subject it's called evil resistance to early attempts of recovery and specifically the spiritual tug of war the spiritual tug of war that hey we all wake up with it every morning it's called a bad attitude and uh, you know we're ta- we're talking
2: about adjusting that attitude so that we don't have to live in misery. And, Amen.
1: Uh, you know, by the way, that's why I go to a meeting called my home group meeting, my kinship of common suffering, every single day except Sundays. They only meet seven day, or six days a week to develop the appropriate attitude for living this particular day successfully. Wow.
2: I, I thought you went to those meetings to find out what happens to the people that didn't go to those meetings.
1: Oh, the, oh that you find out when they come dragging in like <laughs> the cat got a hold of them and thrashed them one more time. Anyway,
2: it's good to be it's good to be on this t- subject, and uh, I, you know, there's just so many fascinating uh, topics uh, that, and subtopics in in dealing with this. And you know, I was reading a thing last night that was "Drinking with the Devil," my interview with the Prince of Darkness, and they open it with uh, "How the You Are You," and I just said, uh, you know, uh, anybody that's uh, can chuckle at it now, but you go back, and you and I, in hindsight, have talked about that stuff that just. Didn't make sense. No matter what, there was a force. It was as as inexplicable as the stuff that came along at the right moment and helped you. And those thank you, thank you, guardian angel or whatever you are. We're talking about the other stuff. That stuff that did not want me and whatever guardian angels were coming along. It did not want me
1: hopping on board with those guys. How interesting. So, you believe in guardian angels? I do. Do you believe that... Under the right circumstances and the right spiritual condition, that a power greater than yourself can use you as an instrument to be at the right place at the right time for the for a person who's suffering. I think it's doing it right now. Tom. Right now, probably I'm the one who's suffering.
2: <laughs> 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 that was
1: the other way. Hey, but here's continue, please.
2: You know, I, I, I just like, uh, when we liken this thing, and I, you know, we uh, talk a lot about the big book of, and the 12 Steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. And you go back there from the, and if, if you haven't read it, I beg anybody, alcoholic, non-alcoholic, I beg, any, we believe that our way of living has its advantages for all. So maybe you're not an alcoholic. Maybe you're not this, you're not that, but we believe that uh, there's something there.
1: There's something in the big book, it's called Timeless and Universal Wisdom, that uh, that appeals and applies to everyone.
2: And I'd like to say that, it you know, it, it, and it was an evolution, how it evolved out of the Washingtonians who mm-hmm. were trying to overcome uh, a spiritual disease of alcoholism. On to the uh, you know the, the the original six tenants of the Oxford groups and in morphed into Alcoholics Anonymous, but it's all been over a
1: spiritual tug of war. Here's what happened in the very beginning of this movement called Alcoholics Anonymous, and there's even a chapter, one of the first chapters in the in this book, is dedicated to a person who is not an alcoholic. His name was Dr. William Silkworth, and it's called the Doctor's Opinion and what this doctor in the psychiatric alcoholic ward in this New York City hospital what he witnessed while bill w was a was a recurring visitor there what what he witnessed was when one alcoholic paid attention in a special way to another alcoholic something mysterious happened
2: they spoke the same language they
1: spoke uh, speak they speak the same lingo it was a lingo of suffering and of recovery that that psychiatrists and physicians and priests and rabbis they couldn't speak this lingo and he
2: Dr. Silkworth didn't have a smartphone or anything or a computer back then but he had a master file for all this stuff and he called it the things that lied outside the synthetic knowledge of at that time
1: right he couldn't he could there was he couldn't explain it was a phenomena there was no scientific or medical Proof why some of these people got better. Except he noticed that there was a theme, that it was one person sitting on the bed, or a couple of people sitting on the bed of another person, and and um and and bringing this person out of loneliness. And there it is. That was the that was a classic example again of one of the early fruits of recovery as we emerge from loneliness. And guess what? There's something that wants to keep us in loneliness.
2: And the, one of the other co-founders, who was you know Dr. Bob, who so often gets overlooked in the shadows of Bill Wilson's bigger-than-life uh, frailties, his ego, and some other things. Uh, you, you know, he, he would often uh, often say that. Alcoholics, they called them, call them drunks. Drunks smell things. They hear things. They've been through things that only another person that's been through that hell can describe.
1: And, and now we know today it's called an intuition. There's something that when we recover and we get on the beam of spirituality or sobriety, I'm telling you, newcomers, if you're listening to this, you're going to develop a sixth sense you're going to develop an intuition. You're gonna be able to kind of read people's minds. What do you think about that?
2: Uh, And you're gonna become that safety zone for that next person that wants to say, hey, you know, I don't wanna mention this around a lot of people, but I think I'm crazy. There's something that doesn't want me to get sober. (laughs)
1: Loving it. All right, we're at the bottom of the hour. Um, We'll be right back with our guest, Channing B. I'm your host, Toby C, and this is our show called The Fourth Dimension, talking about evil resistance to early attempts at recovery.
0: If you enjoy our message, then please visit us at itmtoby.com. Making sense out of nonsense. Making you as curious and uncomfortable as possible with the truth. You've landed in the fourth dimension. With Toby C.
1: Well, we're back with Channing, my buddy, and hey, we're talking about the big book in this twelve-step movement where the whole thing started. Called it's called Alcoholics Anonymous is the name of the book, and um, and it's called the Big Book fondly by people who are in that movement, Channing. Chandler. Channing and I are both members of that movement, um, although we're not licensed therapists. But boy, have we got some experience we want to share you, share with you about um, um, evil resistance to early attempts at recovery as demonstrated and, and outlined and, and illustrated in the book way back in the 1930s and 40s.
2: I think, Toby, that, uh, you know, once again, uh, open-mindedness being the prerequisite and hope and love always getting the last word, we are going to raise some more questions even for ourselves as well as our listeners, but we hopefully will answer a few things along the way. And you and I were, uh, you know, before the uh, commercial there, we were talking about Dr. Silkworth and the doctor's opinion and uh, early Alcoholics Anonymous. You remember up till then, all we had was... Uh, the, the religious angle of the religions of the world, and they all talked about it. The Bible shot through with Isaiah talking about warning about the drunkard. And I, we could go on and on with all the biblical references or the Korans or any, anything. But up till then, the devil, quote unquote, and the drunkard were th- these people were hopeless. There was nothing you, that medicine and Dr. Silkworth, that's where we had talked about things outside our synthetic knowledge, but he was amazed by what had, uh, coming out of a white light experience, Bill Wilson had, uh, you know, didn't even realize at the time he'd come up with the, the fact that talking this language that uh, these people that have been there, the drunkard experience, the hell of withdrawal, the DTs, the things that happen a long way, and you and I and a thousand other, the things that 10 days, 15 days, a year, six months, Well, my God, we can't explain that one either. But uh, the the things that just don't want you to get sober, and I've talked to you, uh, you know, without getting into drunk logs, the little things that – the the telephones that rang inside my house that had been long disconnected, the experiences with my early sponsors that turned out to be, you know, just something straight out of the devil's playbook and the devil's convention – and uh, that kind of stuff. But in rereading after our conversations, going through the different chapters of uh, the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, it's easy. Bill Wilson in Bill's story describes his spiritual tug of war from beginning to end. And, uh, you know, uh, all the way up to the uh, the very last page of Bill's story where he's describing the guy that just wouldn't see things his way. And they go on to, uh, you know, uh alcoholic number 3 but what really fascinated me is moving into the chapter to the agnostic where bill wilson who'd been through these hells who'd seen those things and was uh, talking to other men who had seen him he begged us to be as open minded on spiritual matters as people had been on scientific matters amen
1: so so there it is so again one more fascinating aspect of this book called <clears throat> Alcoholics Anonymous. Not only was there a chapter the very first chapter dedicated to a doctor who was not even an, al- an alcoholic, but again the 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 the, the premise one of the, the foundational stones of this movement is that the sufferer be able to be able to conceive and adopt and accept the, the idea of a power greater than themselves, a God of their understanding, whatever you may want to call that. And so in that in that light, knowing that a person in order to recover, right must acquire a God consciousness, right? They must acquire an immediate and overwhelming God consciousness followed at once by a vast change in feeling and outlook. If they must acquire that, then why did they dedicate an entire chapter to, the agnostic
2: because therein i truly believe is the description of what you and i are describing that thing that wants to tell you in your head that this no matter what's going on here you're going to join the endless procession of sots that uh, went before you into the darkness because that's your lot and uh, many people I've talked to will sit there myself included. I can remember spray painting on an elevator in a dive hotel I was f- being lived in, uh, living in at the time. I spray painted the words uh begins with an F and ends with a hard uh, k um God and I remember uh, so being so angry I don't know the reason mm. what I was angry at but I spray painted that on the wall but uh, I never at one time uh thought about Replacing the word God with its the antithesis with the devil that plagued me. That's how that's how strong the force that had me had me
1: mm-hmm. moved you into anger. There it is. Well, that's for where some, I resided. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, You resided in anger. So many of us reside in anger. <clears throat> By the way, one one of the one of the nice fruits of the twelve step house cleaning for me was I was reacquainted with the seven deadly sins, and I didn't know. I thought a little bit of pride was good. I thought a little anger was good. Thought a little less would get you laid. You know, just, uh, just the, all the seven deadly sins, I thought I must have grown up with a really distorted set of values because... I didn't understand that, that, not, that not only were they sinful, but let's not get too religious. All of these seven types of, of outlined behaviors kept me in defective relationships with other human beings, which ultimately led to a defective relationship with myself. And that is exactly where the devil wanted me to be. He wanted me to be beat down and lonely and isolated in defective relationships with others and defective relationships with myself.
2: And it, it, in my own experience I can I can say that in hindsight and I'm just listening to you right now, there's one thing that we probably had in common in those moments was a closed mind. We'd lived this way so long that we we believed and and uh, we were so under the influence of uh, not a not a good spirit but a, a, well, and by the way, and that's the tug of war
1: so so you're talking about ignorance and by the way, I heard somewhere or read somewhere that ignorance is bliss. Hey, you don't have a problem if you don't know you got a problem. There it is. And by the way, you know, back to the seven deadlies, we were talking about anger is one of them. And oh man, anger is beautiful. Anger is a fuel. Anger is a motivator. Anger is is a great excuse to go out and get drunk, or loaded, or go out and spend a bunch of money that you really don't have at the casino or at the shopping center.
2: And it can be anywhere, including the you know the that meeting you and I will walk into by accident sometimes, and go, "Whoa, that's uh, they should rename this one the Angry Birds meeting." Oh, and yeah. it can be at, at your church. It can be in your anywhere. home, anywhere,
1: anywhere. Parking a car at the grocery store in the parking lot, and you cut somebody off,
2: even though that little voice in your head says, Calvin, I'm chanting." Ed, Marty, don't do that. Don't don't punch that guy in the face. We all fall, we all fall victim to to that little uh, you know that little stroke of anger that overtakes us, and it, it can it's, be it's
1: the bait. It's called we when you say when the you bait. when you say falling victim to that stroke of anger. You're talking about taking, taking the, the bait. bait. Certainly, every time somebody cuts us off, every time somebody is seemingly having fun, and we're and we're sitting there. You know, feeling sorry for ourselves—we're taking the bait, and that's what—that's what evil. That's what the the devil and the demons—they want us to do. Man, see the the the, the devil and the demon, and these fallen fallen angels or fallen angel, whatever you want to call it, this this paranormal negative force—it is not as powerful as God. But it is cunning, baffling, and powerful. It's the subtle foe. It's going to it's going to bait the trap,
2: and you cannot see it with your own eyes. It has to be seen by those people around you, the the herd. And when we talk about going astray from the herd in um, life, you have to. If if I don't trust what my own eyes are seeing, I have to learn to check it out with another human being.
1: Perfect. That's perfect. This is one of the solutions. Again, one of the fruits to recovery wherever the soul may recover as we find out that the solution is really taking our problem to another human being another trusted soul somebody hopefully who's healthy
2: who's been down that road
1: you know it whether they have or not just get a second opinion from a trusted source and you know hopefully it's somebody you trust but but again there it is the moment we we emerge from isolation and we take our our lonely you don't understand problem to another person. It's an it's a practice that's ancient. And they talk about that in the big book, too. You know, they call it a fifth step. When we disclose our, our defects of character, which we've discovered, with another person, it's a confirmation that we've been honest with God and with ourselves. Ah, and see— the devil doesn't want us to be honest with God, with ourselves, or anybody else. It's a big show, man. Life is a stage, and because and, don't you and, know
2: that nobody yeah. out there is honest? Nobody, we're and that's have, what you're all hair, actors. Exactly, we're we are putting on our our, our uh, different uh, faces all the time, and you know, uh, trying to make sense of all this stuff. Newly, uh, you know when you're 18 days sober and you've been going to those meetings and by God, you've been 18 days without a drink. And all of a sudden that darn parole officer shows up or that ex-wife wants some money. And then like you and I say, we remember where to get the ease and comfort of that. When that emotional barometer reaches its level, that's when the devil that knows us so well says, Hey buddy, you know what the solution is. It's a buck
1: 99. See, see, Newcomers or anybody who's listening to this program, what Channing and I know that maybe maybe some of the, you newcomers don't know, is that is that evil is there all the time. And and the the, the difference about being recovered and being in early stages of recovery is 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 Channing and I understand that that evil is there twenty four seven. It's baiting us. It wants to to knock us off the beam and. Uh, and 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 start moving us into defective relationships with others and with ourselves. In early recovery, I didn't know that. I didn't get the memo. I thought, man, oh, this must not be my time, and maybe I still have some more wild oats to sow, and and you know, forget this. And and, and I'm telling you, um, um, you. The, it, it's a long period of reconstruction, all right? And it starts right now in early recovery for some of us, all right? And just be aware of what, what, what awaits you out there.
2: And like we've said, it's like an eviction. We have a tenant that does not want to go. It, it's been at home with us so long. It's a, it, It's our only, it's all we know in a lot of cases. And we think it's our lot in life. You know, I, I had a, a insurance adjuster friend who was, explained something to me about a home had burnt here in Southern California. And he went into the home and he finds out uh, that the man had been, uh, you know, had burnt to death drinking and smoking in bed in a beautiful, great big home. And I think it was San Marino, California, or somewhere where I I uh, grew up, and uh, my friend uh, was the insurance adjuster. Was interviewing the, the neighbors and the people, and a little old lady comes wandering over from where, either next door or one of the other houses. Says to him, "You know, funny thing. His dad died that way, in the same house."
1: How sad! How sad! Oh. Whew. just scratching the surface on on evil resistance That's to weird. early attempts at at getting better. Whew. That's We're going to be right back with our guest, my friend, Channing B. I'm your host, Toby C., and this is our show, everybody's show, called The Fourth Dimension. Yeah, The Fourth Dimension, where uh, we talk about things that people don't really want to talk about. Mm. Stand by. and We'll be right back.
0: our message, then please visit us at itmtoby.com. Are you feeling a little uncomfortable? Then you're right where you belong, in the
1: fourth dimension with Toby C. Finishing up hour two at Channing B., Shannon, it's just great to see you, as usual, and um, I hope we're not getting the evil eye from, from from anything above us for talking about this subject that people really don't want to talk about, but I'm cool with it because we're just talking about it calmly and objectively we it- for-
2: you know, it is. It, it is what it is. It is. Exactly. Yeah. Don't don't
1: be afraid to talk about evil, to talk about the devil, and, to talk about demons, and um, or be- to
2: be, uh, just don't. Uh, in the if anything, there's a takeaway: is don't believe you're the only person that that has uh, been stuck with these uh, uh, distilled spirits hanging around in all your attempts to, uh, to to do something other than what you've been doing and become someone other than who you've been.
1: Yep don't forget that the devil is not at the center of faith the devil is at the center of fear and, but the, but the devil is indispensable at understanding the mysteries of faith see so so the the more you understand wrong and i think the more you can appreciate well, they're
2: right exactly, and I think we're we're careful throwing around that word, you know the uh, the Dante's Infernal, uh, you know Infernal, the the quote unquote devil, the same as we are. It's sure, a, we're talking about a universal force of 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 evil and darkness that does not want you to. Uh, it it wants resistance. to block you off from the sunlight of what is good. it's, and a,
1: it's a resistance, certainly. So so don't be afraid of this, uh, whoever you are, and I don't care how much. Uh, sobriety you have, uh, and how much time you have uh, overcoming eating too much cheesecake or gambling away the mortgage uh, money or or drinking yourself. Near int- what's our little today.
2: joke that while while you and I are doing this, there's uh, something over in the corner doing push-ups? Is
1: oh, our disease is over- our disease is there? You know, and again, that's a metaphor. I love it. That's a metaphor for the devil.
2: Certainly, okay? that's a, that's a, that's what we're, we're going along that line. I mean,
1: I mean. I mean I I know people who have really come out of a bad methamphetamine bender, okay? And they'll look at that and they'll say, That is the effing devil, okay? Oh, they got no problem telling you it's the devil. But interesting, and in you know, when we're in recovery and we're calm and la 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 and happy, joy is free, we're we're really afraid to objectively remember that moment, man, okay? And there it is. And the moment we forget that moment, we are prone and vulnerable to what?
2: Well, to our old, our old tenant coming back in and saying, "See, I told you that new tenant, the good guy, wasn't wasn't." By the
1: way, and and when the tenant comes back, he's bringing seven demons stronger than himself, and they reoccupy the house, and the person is worse off than before. That's why when they say people go out, it's not good. You know, it's not a it's not a little slippy poo. It's it's the real deal. They get their they get their arse handed to them uh, and, in spades.
2: And that's why I like, well, you know, even the word disease, I, I always like to go back to this because if you break it down, dis means a back from an ease. We spend a lot of time in, in, well, you or I or anybody else with the with uh, this involved uh, with, with active alcoholism spends a lot of time a back from ease. We don't know what it's like to live in, in ease. We only know what it's like to live in disease. And so, you know, we're talking about that force that wants to keep uh, renting from us because it doesn't want to, you know, go out and have to inhabit, uh, uh, you know, another soul if it doesn't have to.
1: I want to I warn the newcomer or anybody who's listening to this program, if you're really having trouble staying sober, um, there's something, there's a resistance that, that's possibly more powerful than you are at this moment. And I'm telling you, change is uncomfortable. You know, if you spent uh, the past 10 or 20 years being pickled, that's your default and that's comfortable. And moving into something uncomfortable, let me tell you, there's there's some little demon inside you that says, you want that comfort back, man. This discomfort is... No bueno. This is no good.
2: Oh, and that's why it, com- it makes us uh, yell and scream and clamor for the ease and comfort that we know we can walk in. Uh,
1: yeah. let me let me tell you another uh, another thing that awaits you, newcomers, or anybody who's really struggling in early stages of recovery. You're getting set up for disappointment.
2: And I like—I like to say, you know, at least if you're going to do it, if you're going to throw in the towel, do it on the truth. Walk in to that Seven uh, Eleven, walk right up to the counter with that—I uh, don't know—I call them torpedoes. I don't even know what what flavors they are anymore. But walk in there with that ninety-nine ounce bottle of beer, set it on the counter, and uh, ask the guy in front of you, "Can you please sell me another bottle of this stuff that damn near wiped me out of everything worthwhile in life?" And uh, see what he says. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Disappointment. So many people come into recovery. They come into AA, they go to rehab, they go to the hospital, they go to Betty Ford, they go to Promises in Malibu, and they expect to get better. And by the way, many, many do get better after $50,000, you know, uh, uh, insurance or, or copay. Okay. But check this out. Anybody can get sober. Anybody can stop eating cheesecake. Anybody can stop uh, gambling and spending the family mortgage money. Anybody can stop doing that. The name of the game is to stay stopped. And it's to develop something that you may not
2: have ever had uh, um, in your life to begin with. If you've never been happy, joyous, and free, you can't even believe that it exists out there.
1: There's so many tools and little tricks to staying stopped. But how about this one, Channing? If you can somehow overcome boredom, there's a good chance that you're going to stay stopped from whatever you're doing. In other words, make sobriety interesting.
2: Well, and at the same time, never forgetting that in order uh, for me... To uh, forget and stop obsessing about the devil that's uh, been that has resided in me up till now, and I don't want him residing in my residence, uh, which is uh, my soul and my body anymore. I have to become acutely interested in you, and how can I help you make sure that this guy doesn't try to take up residency in you?
1: It's so it's so cliche. Be more God-conscious and less self-conscious. You know, it's so simple, but it's not easy. It really isn't. A lifetime of self-centeredness. And
2: and it's it's a full circle. Because I, I recognize it in things. I didn't grow up a religious person, so I didn't have to kick out a religion to, uh, you know, I didn't have to become, uh, you know, say, walk into the rooms of alcoholics and, on and say, by God, I'm a good Catholic or I'm a good Muslim or I'm a good, uh, you know, whatever. Uh, uh, what, can you, what can you boys teach me? I didn't come from that background. I wasn't raised religiously, but I had a spiritual void. And uh, I didn't have to get rid of a religion or anything like that, but I had to get rid of the things that were blocking the sunlight of good.
1: Awesome! That's a beautiful way to end our our show, Channing. Thank you so much, I man. I'll tell you, hey newcomers and anybody's listening, you know, there's there's ways to overcome this spiritual tug of war and overcoming boredom. And, just how about this just take it easy on yourself today and why don't you just take it easy on everybody you encounter today just just one day at a time and why don't you come back uh, next hour or next or tomorrow and join us for another episode of the fourth dimension with your host Toby C thanks again Channing B
2: thanks for having me
1: All right, brother take it easy God bless talk to you and hear from you soon
0: If you enjoy our message, then please visit us at itmtoby.com.